Give me a few minutes and five verses. Open your Bibles with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Because of the thanksgivings we just had, we're joyful and thankful. I trust the Lord in circumstances. Now I want you to think of the grief and the sorrow and the trouble that overwhelmed the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think of him in biblical language of having a broken heart. Not in faith, not in hope, but in joy and the overwhelming burden of reproach that was thrown against him by his own people. I want to share with you five verses. Yes, I have a four-page outline, but five verses about the sorrow, the personal, emotional, psychological sorrow and trouble and grief and anguish that racked the Lord Jesus Christ as he got closer to his crucifixion. The Bible tells us about it. We don't want to imagine it. We don't want to embellish it. We want to receive it. The Lord of glory humbled himself and endured a great set of afflictions of a personal sort, of name-calling, of blasphemy against him, of ridicule and reproach and shame that was thrown against him and he took it, the reproaches against God fell upon him. But let me share five verses with you. Isaiah 53. I want verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The nation of the Jews despised and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. He felt sorrow and was very acquainted with grief. What did the apostles do? They hid, as it were, our faces from him. They ran and left him in Gethsemane. He was despised, and no one helped him. Never was a good man so hated by his own people as Jesus. The Jews called him a carpenter's son, a Samaritan, devil-possessed, a deceiver, and a blasphemer. They were offended by him. How could you be offended by the Lord Jesus Christ? They were ashamed to admit that they ever knew him. When given a choice, the Jews chose Barabbas, a seditious murderer. His own nation turned him him over to a foreign power and deserted him in his great need. For what cause? Because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. He was not popular. He was despised and rejected. He was not successful 
He knew grief very well, the success that the world measures. When he told friends of his coming suffering, they foolishly rebuked him. Peter, Matthew 16. He was overcome in Gethsemane. He said, My sorrow is as great as death. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Yet at this crucial time, his closest friends ignored his request and slept through it. His companions of several years were ashamed of him. At a confrontation in the garden. And deserted him after their most memorable evening together. And one denied he ever knew him. At his travesty of a trial, where were the thousands that he had fed and healed? They were all in Jerusalem and close at hand because it was Passover. But they all turned their faces away. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. The Lord of glory, Jehovah in the flesh, came to earth and was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Let us honor him right now. He went through that for you and me. Psalm 109. Psalm 109 is what I shared with you on Wednesday evening. And it was in preparation for Wednesday evening that the Lord showed me what he wanted me to share with you right now before communion. In Psalm 109, we know it's about Judas Iscariot because verse 8 is quoted in Acts chapter 1 and verse 20. And let another take his office. That's the bishop prick of his apostleship taken by Matthias. We understand this chapter being about Judas. Beginning at verse 6, down to verse 19, it's a singular male pronoun. Verse 5 is plural. Verse 20 is plural. But 6 through 19 is singular man. It's Judas Iscariot. I shared these curses with you that even good commentators refuse to admit being the language of the Lord Jesus Christ, but this is the language of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want one verse. I want the 16th verse out of this section. Because that he, these curses were told now, why? We're told why his iniquities of his fathers, verse 14, should be remembered. The sin of his mother not be blotted out, verse 14. Let them be before the Lord continually. We see in verse 17, as he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. It's about Judas Iscariot, and the reason why is verse 16. Because that he, Judas, remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man. And that is your Savior. 
That is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, Judas, might even slay the broken in heart. When Jesus was broken in heart, when Jesus was poor and needy, when Jesus needed a friend, when Jesus needed a comforter, what did he get? He got the slobbering kiss of a betrayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus Christ was rich but became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. Rather than comfort Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, Judas left to get the Jewish mob. Rather than pray with Jesus in Gethsemane, Jesus, Judas was bringing the murderous mob to him. Rather than show mercy to the Lord Jesus, he persecuted him in his hour of need. To identify the Lord with a treacherous kiss is diabolically cruel. The poor and needy man said, Friend, whence art thou come? I think every word of Psalm 109, verses 6 through 19 are perfectly appropriate for Judas Iscariot. But our Lord Jesus Christ became poor and needy and was broken in heart and suffered at the hands of a betrayer into a crowd of murderers for you and for me. And what I... Listen, there are physical wounds to his body and his blood. There's demonic and satanic assault against him on the cross and in Gethsemane. There is separation from his father. But right now, I want you to have five verses that the Bible tells us about the personal, emotional, psychological anguish of the reproaches of his enemies against him and submitting himself to them and his friends deserting him so that he was a poor and needy man with a broken heart. Not broken of giving up faith in God. Broken by the weight and burden of the reproaches that were being brought against God and the Savior of the nation of Israel. And I mean that spiritually. Jesus had shown his troubled soul even to Judas. He had told the twelve how troubled he was in verses that I'm not reading to you. Instead of compassion or pity for his broken heart, Judas betrayed him well down. I want you to know, while you partake of a piece of bread to remember his broken body, and you partake of a small cup of wine to remember his shed blood, that you remember what he submitted himself to leading up to his crucifixion from a personal and emotional standpoint. Psalm 109 and verse 16, I read it again. Because that he, Judas, remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man, Jesus, that he, Judas, might even slay Jesus broken in heart. Psalm 22. Our Jesus is not poor and needy right now. Our Jesus is not broken in heart right now. But he did humble himself to this kind of abuse by friend and foe to go to the cross for us. Psalm 22 is wonderful. It is the most intimate, personal, detailed account of our Lord's suffering. But I only get one verse. I'm giving you five verses. Isaiah 53, 3. 
Psalm 109, 16. Psalm 22, what verse? Six. Six. My God, my God. Was in verse one. I cry in the daytime and you hear me not. In verse two. Our fathers trusted thee. You delivered them in verse four. They cried. They were delivered. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Job said that he was a worm, referring to the, low, the lowliness of human nature. Jesus is not giving us a doctrinal lesson about the lowliness of human nature. He is giving us a lesson of what he was looked at and how highly he was esteemed by the Jewish nation. But I am a worm. Because look at the second half of the verse. A reproach of men. They mock me and make fun of me and ridicule me. And I am despised of the people, my own people, my own nation. I am a worm and no man. I am not treated in the ordinary way that a man is treated. I am not treated with the civility that an ordinary average man gets. I am treated like a worm to be trodden upon and to be considered a harmless thing to be despised and destroyed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. The Lord Jehovah humbled himself to be the word of God made flesh and became a worm in the sight of men to die on the cross for you. And I want you to embrace this part of his sufferings. And I could elaborate it on it, as you know I could, and I have before. But I want to give you five verses that get my attention, and I want them to get your attention. But I am a worm and no man. The Jews esteemed Jesus Christ as a worm, loathsome, hated, and to be trod upon. He had no form or comeliness. He had no visible beauty to cause any to desire him. It tells us that in Isaiah 53 and verse 2. He was a man with our nature. He chose to become a man with our nature so that he could die for us. But they did not treat him with ordinary civility or courtesy. He was crucified at Passover, a time of mercy. Passover was God's mercy toward that nation and their remembrance of God delivering them from Egypt. But it was Barabbas chosen instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've given you three verses. Do you know them? Isaiah 53 and verse 3, Psalm 109 and verse 16, and Psalm 22 and verse 6. And I close this 22nd Psalm, but I am a worm. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Psalm 69. Let me give you number four. I don't blame Peter for grabbing a sword, do you? Right now, reading these verses, I understand Peter totally. Peter was a little misguided. I'm not misguided right now. Jesus has already died. I want two swords. But you know, the Lord hasn't called me to take up swords. Or you. Do you know what he's called us to do? To give our reasonable service in a life of holiness dedicated to his will. Let's live for him. Let's live for him who came and suffered like this for us. 
There's four categories of suffering of the Lord Jesus. The physical wounds, where most people stop. The personal, emotional, and psychological that I'm giving you right now in five verses. The satanic attacks from the devil himself. The lion, the dog, singular, in Psalm 22. And God separating from him from a divine standpoint because of our sins. Four categories. I'm giving you number two. I've given you three verses. Psalm 69. It's a long psalm. It has many statements in it. It is quoted about the Lord Jesus Christ, two different verses of it. This psalm is about the Lord Jesus. You didn't have any doubt about Psalm 22, did you? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I don't want to take verses that don't belong attached to the Lord Jesus. Psalm 69 is a messianic psalm. I want one verse. What verse has the Lord given me for you? Verse 20. Do you think verse 21 is about the Lord Jesus? Do you think I'm stretching the word of God? Can you see that 21 is about Jesus? Look at verse 20. Reproach. The mockery and making fun and ridicule of the Jews against the Lord Jesus. Reproach hath broken my heart. And I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. Oh, Lord. We can't comfort him right now in his hour of death. But we can comfort him by remembering this and living for him right now, the rest of today, tomorrow, and as many days as he gives us. I give you Psalm 69 and verse 20. The weight of the crucifixion overwhelmed his soul even unto death, are his words in Matthew. Men were ashamed to be associated with him, and they blasphemed him repeatedly. He trusted in God. If he trusted in God, then let God deliver him. The innocent died for rebels. Jesus was hated without a cause. He was mocked as an enemy of God. His persecutors accused him of blasphemy. His heart was broken of joy and fellowship, for it was lost with God, though his faith and hope were not. He who always pleased God in every way possible was mocked for putting his trust in God. There were no real comforters. His apostles slept, they ran, they hid, and they denied him. There were no men to help. Do you know what civil servants are for? Do you know why they're called ministers of God for good? In Romans 13, Herod and Pilate should have delivered him from those envious Jews. But he wasn't. I read it again. Psalm 69 and verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. I don't care how fearful you have ever been or how lonely you have ever been. When you thought that you were forsaken and you were in such deep trouble that it was overwhelming your soul because your pitiful little thoughts can't even be compared to the Lord of glory at this time suffering these kind of things. And I put myself in that same comparison. Nothing I've ever endured even comes close to this. But I want to live for him 
who subjected himself to this for me. And I wanted to share five verses with you. I've shared four. Let's move to the New Testament and Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I am sorry that we sang a song a few weeks ago that said Jesus never cried. Do you remember? I pointed it out to you. With Isaiah 53 and verse 3, Psalm 109 and verse 16, Psalm 22 and verse 6, and Psalm 69 and verse 20, as a backdrop, here we have Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, the Lord Jesus is no longer in the days of his flesh. He is glorified in heaven. But when he was in the days of his flesh on earth, when he had offered up prayers and supplications in the garden of Gethsemane three times, begging God to let the cup, you ought to read about the cup. He drank the dregs of the cup. The cup was the wrath of Almighty God poured out upon him instead of upon us. And he drank it. He asked James and John once and their mother, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? The baptism was being overwhelmed by the floods of God's wrath. David knew about that flood. That is picture language from the Bible, and they're glorious. It's a sermon entitled, The Baptism and Cup of Christ. If you want all the details, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. An angel was sent to strengthen him in the garden of Gethsemane. But notice, with strong crying. How strongly do you think you've ever cried? Your strong crying is nothing compared to the strong crying of the Lord Jesus Christ. The transaction that was taking place is so different from anything you've ever experienced. You've never known joy, so how could you cry about losing it? You've never had grief in comparison to his grief. His grief was very different. You've never had fellowship with God that can even come close to the fellowship that Jesus had with the Lord, his Father. I don't mean to mock any of you. I just want you to reach out by faith and believe the Word of God and what it tells us about him, his reproach and being broken in heart and being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and being a worm and no man and no comforter, and none to have pity. I'm going to have pity for him. It's too late for me to help him in Gethsemane. And knowing the wickedness of my heart, I'd have slept faster than Peter, James, and John. I'd have denied him sooner than Peter did. I'd have betrayed him faster than Judas. But I don't have that heart right now. And he's sitting on the throne of glory. And he's called for us to do this. To keep this feast. I don't just want to keep this feast now. Let's live for him when we walk out of here for the next hour, for the rest of today, for this week. Let's remember five verses. That's all I have for you. Oh, sacred head now wounded, Eric, please. <clears throat> 